All right, take your Bibles this morning, if you would, and turn with me to two passages. The first one is Matthew chapter 15, and the second one's in the next book, Mark chapter 7. Matthew chapter 15, and then also Mark chapter 7. I'm preaching on one of my absolute favorite Bible characters. She's only mentioned as far as we know, one time in Scripture. But uh, I just love the spirit of this woman. I think I have preached on her several times, various, various messages having to do with uh, her, her steadfastness and uh, her determination. In fact, the, the, the title of the message this morning is The, uh, in, the Importunate Tenacious Mother. The importunate, tenacious mother, and it's the Syrophoenician woman. Let's all stand together, if you would, and we'll look first at Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. She, and she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now turn with me over to Mark. Mark chapter 7, and look in verses 24 down through 30. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into an house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, go thy way. The devil has gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we want to thank you for the word of God this morning and for examples that you give us of godly mothers. And this was one of them. Syrophoenician woman, a woman who was not a Jew, she was a Gentile, and yet she understood what Jesus could do. She understood who Jesus was. And because of that, because of her faith, 
she was tenacious. Uh, Lord, she, uh, she did not uh, back down from her duty as being a mom. And we pray that, that this lady would be a, a real challenge to our mothers, really, not just to moms, but really to all of us this, this morning, that we might, we might see uh, how important it is for us to have faith in you so that we can accomplish the things that, Lord, you want to see done in and with our lives. God bless this time together. Speak to hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This was a Syrophoenician woman, and as I've already said, she was, a, she was a Gentile. She was not a Jew. And, of course, the Jews and the Gentiles did not get along. The Jews and the Gentiles uh, really despised one another. Uh, the, the Jews looked at the Gentiles as beasts, and the Gentiles looked at the Jews as beasts. And uh, uh, yet she was not afraid, she was not intimidated at all to approach the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why I believe that that was the case, now the Bible says that he went into a house, and so she found out that he was there. He was trying to be discreet. He was trying to get alone. He was trying to be, have some private time. And uh, she found him. She, she, she looked for him. She hunted him out. She found where he was. And uh, she, she went into the house, and she approached him. Now, she was motivated by some things. And, uh, and, and there are three things in particular I noticed that she was motivated by. First of all, I think she was motivated by her faith. She would not have been there had she not realized that Jesus was God. She would not have been there had she not realized that, that uh, the Lord could do something for her. Um, you know, uh, at, the, at the end of the story... Uh, she is commended for her faith, and she's commended in a way that no Jew, while Jesus was on the earth, was, uh, was commended. Uh, Jesus said, I, I, I've not seen so great faith in all of Israel. And so she had, she had faith, and that faith motivated her to go see Jesus. Secondly, she had love. She had love for her daughter, and uh, her daughter was hurting. And so because her daughter was hurting, she was hurting. Because her daughter had a need, she had a need. And, and uh, uh, she, she took that very, very seriously. She took her, her responsibility to her daughter very, very seriously. Um, she was willing to leave her daughter in, in, in the state that she was in and see, seek out Jesus Christ because she knew that he was, he was the answer to her condition. But it was her love for her daughter. She was, I believe she was one of these kind of women that were willing to do whatever was necessary to be a help and to be a blessing to her daughter who was hurting. And then, then the last thing that motivated her was her personal responsibility just as a parent. Not just, not just that she loved her daughter, but she had a duty. She had a responsibility. She understood that it wasn't somebody else's responsibility to take care of her daughter. It was her responsibility. You know, we're living in a day and age today where people have got things twisted. They think that uh, they think the government has a responsibility to raise their kids. No, they don't. Those kids, those kids are not property of the government. God gave those children to you, moms, and to you, dads. 
And uh, uh, it's your responsibility. Don't look to the government to raise your kids. Uh, realize that God's given them to you to do that. And, and I, I'll go so far as to say this. It's not up to the church to raise your children. Now, we're supposed to be an influence, and we ought to be a blessing, and we ought to be a helping hand to parents. And, 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 and that's true, and I understand that. But it's not our responsibility. I, you know, over the years, I was a youth pastor for 13 years. I can't tell you the number of times that, that uh, I've seen churches and youth pastors and pastors and associate pastors blamed because their kids didn't turn out right. I got news, man. It wasn't, it wasn't that church's responsibility to raise your kids. It's your responsibility. God gave those children to you. The other thing I thought about as I was looking at this, as I was looking at this, this story, this account, where was dad? Now, you know, we don't know. Uh, you know, she, uh, dad might have been an absentee father. I don't know. Uh, he could have been a dad who, uh, who uh, uh, just decided to let the woman do the work. I don't know. Uh, honestly, uh, it would have been good had, had dad at least accompanied her, if not gone in her place, so she could have stayed home and taken care of, of the daughter while dad went to Jesus. Uh, but uh, again, you know, it's a shame and a disgrace when all of the responsibility of raising children falls on a mom. Now, I realize this is Mother's Day, but dads, uh, we need to really appreciate the wife that God has given to us, the mother of our children that God has given to us, and make sure that we are the leaders that God wants us to be, uh, wants us to be. So this, this, this lady was uh, very tenacious. She was very Im importunate. Uh, you know, she had importunity. Uh, importunity just simply means that you're, you're pressing or you're urgent in your requests or your demands. And uh, if, if you take your Bibles and just look with me, I'll give you another example of this in another lady. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And look in verses... I'm sorry, this isn't a lady, this is a man. Uh, Luke chapter 11, I was thinking of an, another situation. Luke chapter 11 and verse 5, verses 5 through 10. It says, And he said unto him, Which of you shall have a friend, and go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my, my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet, yet because uh, of his importunity, he will, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Uh, and and in, that, in that 
illustration and in that story, Jesus said, it's not enough just to ask. It's not just enough to seek. It's not just enough to find. Uh, you, you need to ask. You need to seek. You need to knock so that you can uh, find the answers that God has for you. And that's the kind of attitude this woman had. Another, another word that I would use to describe this lady is tenacious. Tenacious means unwilling to quit. And she was unwilling to quit. She was, she was ignored. She was rebuffed. She was even really insulted. And none of that stopped her. She was persistent. Um, tenacious means not willing to let go of something. Uh, her daughter meant that much to her, and she understood that she was a real treasure that God had entrusted into her keeping, and she wanted to make sure that she was the kind of a mom that she needed to be. One of the things that I noticed about, about this story in both of the, in both of the uh, accounts that are given, uh, the reason why I had you read both accounts with me is because oftentimes there are details that are are in one account that is not in another and vice versa. But uh, this mother hurt because her child was vexed. Uh, and the, and the, word, the, the word that God uses is that word vex. Vex means irritated or troubled or afflicted. And you notice she didn't, when she came to Jesus, she did not say, have mercy on my daughter. You know what she said? She said, have mercy on me. She asked mercy for herself. Uh, why? Because if her daughter was hurting, she was hurting. If her daughter had a need, she personally took that as a, as a need in her life. Um, you know, we, we, we've, we've said this in our home, and I'm, I'm sure it's been reiterated in homes uh, all over the country. When you're getting ready to discipline one of your children, and uh, you make a comment, and of course the kid never believes this statement for five seconds. But the statement is, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Uh, and, and, and they look at you like, yeah, right, uh-huh. But you know what, there's really a lot of truth to that. Because when a, when a child is hurting and the parent has the right attitude about that child, oftentimes the parent ends up hurting much more than even the child is because they take that personally. And this is the kind of, of woman that this lady was. Her child's need became her need. Her child's problem became her problem. She was, she was not a selfish mom. She was a selfless mom. And she was willing to, to, to uh, put everything and anything on the line in order to take care of the needs of her daughter. She cried out to Jesus. And the Bible says that after she cried out, he answered her not a word. What he did was he, uh, he ignored her. He, uh, uh, it was as if she wasn't even there. It was as if she didn't even exist. You know, we've, uh, I, I've heard the term, and I've used it myself, and felt like it sometimes, where you get down and you spend some time in prayer, and you feel like it's for naught. And you use the term, the heavens were brass. Uh, in other words, you got no response. Uh, nothing. I mean, zero, zip, nada. Well, that's what this lady felt like when she came to Jesus. She threw himself at, at him. 
in, in, in one of the accounts, it says that she, she threw himself at, at, her, at his feet. And uh, she, she was just totally ignored. She was, she was responded to with, uh, with absolutely no words, no head nodding, nothing. Um, the heavens are brass, even though she cried out. She, she addressed him properly. She called him Lord, and she called him Son of David. When she called him Lord, she was acknowledging his authority, his position, and his deity. When she called him Son of David, she recognized his messianic title. Now understand, and Jesus said this later on in the story, he didn't come to the Gentiles. He came first to the Jews. Now, he came for the whole world. But he came first to the Jews, and that's what he was in the in the process of uh, who the, he was in the process of ministering to at that time was the Jewish people, and and she comes and she calls him Lord, and she calls him the Son of David. That's his messianic title. She approached him more properly than most of the Jews did, and yet she was a Gentile lady, so she did it right. It's not like. Not like she mishandled her responsibility. You know, one, the thing that, that is, is just is so amazing to me is that even though this was the response she got, she didn't take that for a final answer. She didn't stop. She didn't quit. And, and you know, I, as I was reading down through this, I, I asked myself, and I thought about asking you folks the, this morning, what does it take? What does it take to, to make you throw up your hands? What does it take to cause you to quit? Uh, you know, sometimes I, I really believe we are, we are too quick to capitulate. We're too quick to stop imploring God. Uh, we pray about something for a while, and if we don't get, get, it, get any answer at all, uh, we just say, well, I, I guess I just don't need to be praying anymore. Some of you folks have been praying for 10, 15, 20, 30. Some of you have been praying for 40 years. Some, some maybe even for 50. For somebody that you know that's lost, that uh, does not yet know Christ as Savior. You prayed for him right after you got saved. You prayed for him 10 years later, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. You are still praying for them. God bless you. Uh, you know what? You're not letting a lack of an answer or a lack of a response from others uh, to, towards God, you're not, you're not letting that dissuade you and stop you from continuing to pray. You know, she was, she was ignored. She was refused. She was really rebuked, and, and honestly, she was insulted. I mean, he called her, he called her a dog. Now, you know, you know, you know the slang, you know the, 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 the vulgar language that that is. If you don't, well, then, then you're better off. But, but, but if, you, if, if you know, that's what he called her, and yet it didn't stop her. It didn't stop her. Uh, he, he, and, and please understand this. Uh, you know, we look at this and, and we say, oh, it looks like he was putting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and he was just trying to destroy her faith. Just the opposite. Just the opposite. He was trying to establish. He was trying to develop. He was trying to, to firm up 
this woman's faith. He was also testing her faith just to see how far she would go and what it would take to make her quit. Here's the, here's the final answer. <laughs> Nothing would make her quit. She wasn't going to stop until she got an answer from the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that, that's an encouragement to us when we take a look at this Syrophoenician woman. The, the Lord used negative things in order to strengthen her and eventually give her a huge blessing. You know, you say, yeah, the huge blessing was that her daughter was healed. Yes, that was one of them, but that wasn't the only one. You know what the, the, the I, I really believe probably the biggest blessing of the whole deal was the commendation that he gave to this woman. I mean, you talk about, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. This is the greatest faith I've seen so far, basically, is what he said. And, uh, and, and, and that's because she responded right and properly to negative things that were placed in her life. What, what this can do is, this, I, I believe this, this whole story, this account, can uh, help us get a clear understanding of what prayer is all about. And there, there are three particularly negative things that, that, that she, did not, she did not buckle under. First of all, she was ignored and she was turned down. Look in, look in uh, chapter 15, look at verses 23 and 24. Matthew 15, 23 and 24. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Basically, what he said was, Go away, lady, you bother me. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, lady, I've not been called to you, I've been called to Israel. She was ignored, she was turned down. But, but notice what her response was. Her response was that she worshipped him and that she asked him for help. She got a negative response and that caused her to worship him. Is that true of you and me? When we get negative responses from God or we get an obstacle thrown in our way, do we, does that cause us to worship him? Or grumble and complain and have an attitude. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Habakkuk 3. Lately, the messages that I have uh, prepared to preach uh, have really, uh, honestly, the messages have been uh, raking me over the coals. And this is one of them. Um, this, this attitude that she had was uh, was uh, such a one you know Habakkuk was in here the last time I looked I'm uh, I'm trying to <laughs> I knew this was going to happen I knew it was going to happen okay there it is uh, Habakkuk it's it's a page uh, 958 if you've got an old school field Bible and all the old school field Bibles are, the, are 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 have the same stamp on it so you really will find it um, but what this is is that the um, the prophet Habakkuk comes to Israel like, like all the, the so-called minor prophets that we talk about in the Old Testament and also the major prophets, the ones with the bigger books. And they've come to Israel because Israel's been disobedient and God has, 
God has disciplined Israel. Notice what Habakkuk says in verses 17 through 19. Because understand that when, you know, I, I believe the prophets are right with God. The prophets are trying to do right. And yet they end up going through the same muck in the mire. They, they end up going through the same problems and the same difficulties because they're, they're having to suffer because of Israel's disobedience. In verse, verses 17, 18, and 19, Habakkuk 3, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in, in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the, from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Kind of sounds like America right now, doesn't it? You know, we're, we're going through some of this very stuff, and I believe it's because of sin. Notice what he says, though. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon my, my high places to the chief singer on my strained instruments. He's saying, listen, uh, you know, I know we're going through troubles. I know we're going through difficulties. I know there's obstacles in the way. I'm praising God. I don't care what the rest of you do. Uh, I'm going to rejoice in the God of my salvation. That ought to be our attitude right now. And that ought to be, really, that ought to be our attitude all the time. Have you been rejoicing lately in the Lord? I, you know, again, I, I'm, ugh. Uh, I, I got this this message ready as I was getting this message ready. God was raking me over the coals over the thing. I've had I've had I, I've had to fight an attitude. Um, I was I was uh, at a uh, commercial establishment uh, this last week, and uh, yes, I was the good faithful guy. I put a mask on. I hate those stinking things, but I put it on anyway. And uh, uh, I I'm not paying attention. I'm not used to this. You're not used to this. None of us are used to this. And uh, there was a fella that was standing over in the corner. Well, he was in the corner, and the counter was right there, and there was only one person standing at the corner, or at the counter. So I just marched right up to the counter, you know, not thinking, not realizing that he was really in line, and trying. he stayed way more than six feet. And he kind of looked at me and grumbled and said, Excuse me? Uh, he was covered by a mask, but I kind of figured I knew what was underneath that mask. He was not pleased. I said, oh, I'm sorry, and I apologize. And he just kind of, you know, muttered and, and grumbled, and well, okay, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, everybody's on edge with this thing. I understand that. You know one of the things that can take the edge off? Spend some time rejoicing in your God. You know, use, it. That's, that's what this woman did. She was rebuffed. She was ignored. She was rebuked. And what did she do? She worshipped. <laughs> that was her response. What should be our response? Well, we ought to, our response ought to be one of worship. Or do we only worship when things are going good? Do we only rejoice when we get what we want the way we want it? Uh, that ought not to be the case. Now, we ought to rejoice during those times, but we also ought to rejoice when the obstacles are thrown in our way. So she was ignored. She was turned down. Secondly, she was refused. 
And, uh, uh, and she was refused just to show her how helpless she was and how helpless her situation was. John chapter 5 and, or excuse me, John chapter 15 and verse 5, Jesus is talking about abiding in him. And he says this at the end of the verse, For without me ye can do nothing. You know, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that God puts obstacles in our way. He causes us to have problems and difficulties. He, 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 he sometimes causes the heavens to be brass on purpose. Sometimes he gives us no, I know some folks, I know some folks that have been praying for some answers to some things over the last year and have gotten zip, nothing. Man, I don't like that. I mean, I don't like that. I don't like that when it's somebody else that's going through that. But you know what? God is using those kind of situations to see what do we really rejoice in? Do we rejoice in answers to prayer or do we rejoice in the, the one who answered the prayer? <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, and whether he answers it or not, whether he does what we have expectations that he, he ought to do or not, we still have a God we can rejoice in, and we ought to. We ought to rejoice in him regardless. Um, we, we, always, we always need God, and uh, there's, there's, there's nothing that we can do without him. Without me, ye can do nothing. We recognize it sometimes. We don't recognize it other times. But the truth of the matter is, it's always true. And refusals... Precarious situations, lack of direction, uh, all those things humble us. And, and they help us rid ourselves of, of a selfish spirit. So she was refused, and she was refused to show how helpless she was. And then, then the, the last negative thing that she got was her refusal by the Lord uh, didn't stay permanent. She was refused, but it didn't stay permanent. Finally, he, he, he said, listen, uh, your daughter's going to be healed. Your daughter's healed. And uh, what, an, what an encouraging word that was. Now, that's not always the case. Just because you persist does not mean that God's always going to give the answer that you expect. But it can turn. But, but listen, what if after you know, she, was, she was ignored, and, and uh, then she was refused, and then she was really rebuked and insulted. What if after that she said, that's it? <laughs> that's enough. I am not taking this anymore. And she walked away. She was right around the corner from one of the biggest blessings in her entire life. And had she not persevered, had she not made an appeal to God and say, listen, I, I understand that, you're right. I don't argue with a, a thing you say, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And I'm a dog. You said I was a dog. Give me some crumbs, please. If she had not done that, she'd have lost the blessing. But why did she get it? Because she persevered. I've, I've watched this over the years. I've seen this over and over and over again in people's lives. I've seen it in my own life. Or you're, you're, you, you just, you know, 
it's kind of kind of like Popeye the Sailor Man, you know. I it's all I can stands. I can't stands no more. <laughs> you know, we're just we're we're sick of the whole thing, and you're about ready to quit. And you say, well, just <clears throat> one more. Uh, I remember one one time years ago, oh many many years ago, it was in the early 70s, and we were just starting First Bible Baptist Church out in out in uh, Green Bay, and it was a cold January night. I mean, it was cold. It got cold out there. And uh, I don't remember the temperature, but I just know it was cold. And I knew that the preacher had said that when we return back from the calls, there will be hot chocolate waiting for us. And it was about quarter after eight. We had had refusal after refusal after refusal after refusal. We had one more card. And I said, well, what do you think? I said, we've we've been faithful here. And we, you know, it's quarter after eight. By the time we get to the church, it'll be 8.30, and that's when they want us to be there. So why don't we just, why don't we just call it quits? And I don't know, I don't remember if it was if me that said something or the fellow that I was with said something, but we started talking about the thing and said, nah, let's not quit yet. Let's make one more call for Jesus. Well, the end of the story is we went up, knocked on the door, found out it was a, a guy that was uh, enlisted in the Army. He and his wife were stationed in the Green Bay area. We walked in there, uh, introduced ourselves, did some small talk, opened up the Bible, and led uh, Alan Millie Schreier to Jesus Christ. Whew. Uh, today, they're still serving the Lord, and uh, praise the Lord for it. But uh, what if we had said, let's not persevere? Let's not right around the corner. Well, we had no idea. You never do. <laughs> you don't know what's around the corner. You never do. But if you just persevere you just keep keep on keeping on you might have a blessing around the corner you know you you look at all she had against her uh, she had a ton of stuff going against her her race was against her she was a gentile jesus that didn't come to the gentiles he came first to the jews uh she uh, her gender was against her uh the religious uh, jewish population um and and hierarchy uh, had a disdain for women doing the, making the kind of appeal and being forward like she was. Uh, the devil was against her. Her, her uh, uh, daughter uh, had, a, had a devil in her. Uh, the, the disciples were against her. I mean, these were the, you know, these were the right-hand men of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they wanted to push her off. And then... Uh, uh, she was seemingly ignored, she was refused, and she was belittled. All those things were against her, but she persisted. And she persisted because of, of her faith and trust in her God. Um, I found, and it, it's, it's not a, a real long article, it's a short article. You could really write, I'm sure there are books, I know there are books written about this lady. But uh, I found a, uh, a, an article that uh, talked just a little bit about a gal by the name of Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. And uh, John and Charles Wesley were pre became preachers. They weren't born preachers, but they became preachers. And uh, it, this, this uh, tells just a little bit about what Susanna Wesley was up against. And, uh, and, and what God used is he, he used her to produce two men 
that really made an influence on the world for Jesus Christ. Uh, Susanna Wesley bore between 17 and 19 children. How's that for a number of kids, uh, Mom? Uh, ten survived. The frequent absences of her, of her husband on church business left the management of the household in her hands. Through it all, she remained a steadfast Christian who taught not only through the scriptures, but through her own example of daily trusting God. She once wrote, We must know God experientially, for unless the heart perceive and know him to, to, be, to be the supreme good, uh, her only happiness, unless the soul feel and acknowledge that she can have no repose, no peace, no joy, but in loving and being loved by him. The children were raised strictly. They were taught to cry, but cry softly, to eat what was put before them and not to raise their voices or play noisily. Physical punishment was used, but confession of faults could avoid it. All but one of the children learned to read from the age of five, including the girls. Susanna made it a rule for herself to spend an hour a day with each of the children over the period of a week. After the, the fire of 1709, family discipline broke down, but Susanna managed to restore it later. She paid special attention to John, who was almost lost in the fire. He referred to himself as a brand plucked from the burning fire. And his, his mother said that she intended to be more particularly careful of the soul of this child that thou hast so mercifully provided for than ever I have been that I may do my endeavors to instill uh, into his mind the disciplines of thy true religion and virtue. It was said that at the age of six or seven, John thought he would never marry because, quote, I could never find such a woman as my father had. Mm. After Samuel Wesley died in 1735, Susanna lived with her children, especially in her last year with John. She, she died on July 23rd, 1742, and was buried in London's Bun Hill Fields, where John Bunyan and Isaac Watts are also buried. Her sons won tens of thousands of souls to Christ. She would not have, been, have, have wished for more. She would not have wished for more. Uh, she, she got a blessing because she persevered, because she was tenacious, because she, though she had many obstacles, she didn't quit. You know, uh, go back with me, if you would, for just a moment, and we'll close with this. Uh, go to Mark chapter 7, and look in Mark 7, verses 28 and 29. I love this. It says in verse 28, and she answered and said, this is after he, he tells her that, you know, God, uh, the, the master's not going to throw the, the, the good bread to the dogs. Uh, she answered and said unto him, Yea, Lord, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And this is the Lord's response. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. For this saying, 
because she said what she said to him in response, that devil was removed from her daughter. What, what did that saying show? It showed three, three obvious things. First of all, humble agreement. She said, she said listen, I'm unworthy. She says, I'm significant, insignificant, and I know it. Please help me anyway. She, she was not lifted up at all. She was not insulted by that remark. She did not take offense to that remark. Um, you know, when, when, I, when, I, when I read this story and I read that response, I think, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So she had a humble agreement. She, she called him Lord as, or after that. She called him Lord after, after the, 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 the insult and the put down. She, and Lord just simply means a master possessing supreme uh, power and authority. She recognized his deity. She recognized who he was. And then thirdly, she said, the crumbs will be sufficient. Mm. She didn't ask for, for, for a slice of bread. She said, yay, but even the dogs on the table get the crumbs. In other words, the crumbs will be sufficient. I'll be more than satisfied, Lord, if you just give me some crumbs. What is that? That's a tenacious woman. That's a persistent woman who's per persistent and tenacious because of her faith. Ladies and men and children, really, all of us, do we have that kind of faith? Do we have that kind of faith that just won't quit? I believe that her faith didn't quit because she was humble, because she recognized who he was, and because she said, whatever you give me, I'll be satisfied with. She was a content lady. She just wanted to see God work in her life. Is that the kind of desire that you and I have? Just to see God work in our lives. And we'll persist with him until we see it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I am so thankful for the illustration and the account of the Syrophoenician woman. Now, Lord, this isn't some fairy tale. This isn't some story that somebody made up. This is a real thing that happened. This lady really did have a, a daughter that was vexed. And she really did come to Jesus. And she really was put down. And she really did have a lot of obstacles to overcome. But it wasn't her that overcame the obstacles. It wasn't, wasn't just her tenaciousness. It was the fact she had, she had tenacious faith. She had steadfast faith. And it couldn't, it couldn't be moved. In fact, uh, it grew. And it got stronger just during this incident. Lord, uh, I pray for particularly our moms this morning that uh, you would help them to see that how important it is for them to have this kind of faith. Lord, there may be some, some moms, could be some dads, could be some young men, young ladies uh, that uh, don't have saving faith this morning. They don't know for sure if they died today, they'd go to heaven. God, I pray that you would uh, convict their heart of sin. 
I really believe that's a, the first step. We've got to realize we're a sinner on our way to hell and that we deserve to burn forever because we violated the laws of a holy God. And uh, Lord, that'll cause us to realize that we can't save ourselves, that we're helpless. The only way we can get saved is by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm thankful you did that for me many, many years ago. And God, I pray for anyone that might be within the sound of my voice listening to this message this morning and they don't have that saving faith. Lord, I pray for those that, that uh, are, are listening this morning that, that are saved, but maybe they're just about ready to throw up their hands in what, whatever area it might be. It could be in life. It could be with their family. It could be on their job. It could be with a relationship. It could be all kinds of things. They're just ready to throw up their hands and say, I quit. There's just too many roadblocks here. Uh, Father, I, I, just, I pray that uh, you'd help them to see that uh, tenacious overcoming faith will get them through the difficulty, will get them through the hard time. Uh, Father, I pray that whatever's necessary to be surrendered to you, that this morning would be surrendered. This lady had it together. She was humble. She was not proud. And uh, she, she loved her daughter. God, give us, give us mothers who just love their kids and willing to go to whatever length to see them benefited. We pray your blessings upon this invitation as we give it. We pray, God, that you would work on hearts. And as you speak to us, God, may we respond to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all remain standing.